Hey y'all, it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Sub Creations, sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and nonfiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for 11Zs. Today we're back with another segment of Keela's Internet Friends. I'm not sure if I've ever actually explained how we all know each other, but Shanine, who was on the Doctor Who episode, kind of rallied us all together for a virtual writing group. We are all female Christian writers who are obsessed with Tolkien and or Lewis, so we definitely thought about calling ourselves the Inklets, but eventually decided to be the Bluebird Literary Society since we primarily met and communicate through Twitter. But we get together for monthly Zooms, we have writing assignments, we talk about books and Jesus and nerdy things. It's just awesome. And today I am joined by BBLS member Andrea Johnson. What I think is cool about our little group is we have a lot in common and yet we each have our own unique writing styles and genres and goals. Like I primarily work in nonfiction, but you typically write in fiction and even comics. So I have 11 questions for you specifically about your unique forms of storytelling. Okay. Well, I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. Me too. All right. So first question, what is your 11Z's beverage of choice? Yes. Okay. I just made this. I'm not a huge like drinker of fancy drinks. Most days I just drink water, but sometimes I'll have some tea. So I made some tea this morning Uh, and it's called, it's like a Puka is the brand. And then it's like chamomile, vanilla, and manuka honey. Ooh, I'm here for that. It's so good. Yeah. And I always add some oat milk too. And it's just, it's a treat. (laughs) That's awesome. I've been getting into oat milk lately. I used to think it was weird, but I'm, I'm so into it. I don't add milk to tea though normally, but sounds good. Yeah. Certain teas, it doesn't really work, but. This one, it's it's like the perfect nice. compliment. Nice. Well, I'm rocking a V8 juice. Nice. <laughs> yep. I, for some reason, have not been liking coffee recently. It's freaking me out because normally I would drink it like every morning. And lately I just haven't been feeling it. Maybe we haven't been buying the right coffee or creamer or something, but I'm like, eh, I'll just go with juice this morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big coffee drinker, so I don't, I can't help. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I wasn't until college and then it like exploded. So I don't know. Now it's just weaning back, I guess. (laughs) Okay. So first things first, tell me a little bit about yourself and your story. Oh, okay. (laughs) So as much or as little as you want to. (laughs) Right. Okay. Start with the day you were born, actually. The day I was born, it was the middle of the afternoon, (laughs) which is very on brand for me because I am not a morning person. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, I guess we can talk about my like creative story maybe. Um, So I've always kind of had a relationship with art and writing, but I didn't always call it that. Uh, So like art was something I had a really easy time, like naming and claiming, you know, a bunch of my family members are really creative and they all kind of have different like niches within the art world that they like to stay in. Um, and so I was from a very young age, like always really encouraged in my artistic pursuits. My grandfather especially was like one of the biggest 
like patrons, you can say, cool. of my early art days. Um, he always would get me like art supplies for Christmas. And it, and it was always like really nice, like quality stuff. So I have always been encouraged in that arena. And even in school, like they would tell me like, oh, you're such a good artist or whatever. And so that, that was something that I knew early on, like, I'm good at this. I like doing this. I'm going to keep doing it. And then writing, I think I've kind of always been a writer too, but I didn't always call it that, but I'm kind of, I'm like a self-diagnosed insomniac. (laughs) (laughs) And as a little kid, I would come downstairs and I'd be like, mom and dad, I can't sleep. And they'd be like, well, why are you up? Like, well, cause, cause I can't sleep. And so at one point I realized like they didn't like when I'd get out of bed to tell them that I wasn't sleeping. So I just would stay in my bed and tell myself bedtime stories. Um, And then eventually, I think in like middle school, I started actually writing them down. (laughs) So yeah, I've kind of always dabbled in both of those worlds. That's really cool. So was art like your primary elective growing up in school? It was until sixth grade. And I had an English teacher who was like, hey, you're really good at English. And it was like the first time somebody told me I was good at something else. And so then suddenly I was like, what, what is this subject? Like, I'm going to explore all of this. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. I love how a lot of us have just kind of like fallen into it. It wasn't something that we just like made an active choice. Okay. We're going to focus on writing now. We're going to try to be writers. Like, no, it just kind of happens. That's, that's pretty cool. So how does your art play a role in your writing and storytelling? Well, I mean, right now, since I'm doing a comic, it's played a big part in it. Uh, before, before that, I don't know that those two parts of me really like cross paths that much. They were always kind of separate entities for me, I guess. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> but yeah within the last few years since I've been exploring the like comic medium it's made me think a lot more about the like show don't tell kind of writing Mm. um which you know that's something I always heard as like a piece of writing advice but I was always like well what does that mean but like when you're when you're planning out something that you know is going to be visually shown to people like you have to think like okay I want this person to come across as angry how do I show that they're feeling angry? Cause you can't just say like, Oh, they, they said this angrily, right? Like you, yeah. you yeah. have to put in like, Oh, they furrowed their brow or they bunched their fists together or something. Um, and so it's, it's actually been really helpful in like strengthening that part of my writing. That's really cool. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your comic. It's a superhero comic about a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah I kind of uh, I've, I've always liked superpowers and thought they were fun and like fun to imagine and I wanted to do a story like that but I didn't want it to be like we're all going to be superheroes because I think there's a lot of that already mm-hmm. and so I kind of took the approach of like these are just teenagers living their lives that happen to have superpowers too and they the powers definitely like play a big role in the story, but they're not, they're not currently like actively seeking out how to be like a hero with it. They're just trying to like figure out their teenage drama. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you're doing your comic, do you typically start with the art 
and then the writing comes later or do you start with the writing and then illustrate it? Um, I start with the writing. So I actually have the entire first like volume written already and I'm currently writing the second part and there's going to be hopefully three. And I started with the writing because at the time I felt a lot more comfortable with writing than I did with drawing. Even though I've always been into drawing, it's like in my mind, I imagined a very specific style that I wanted for the comic. And I, at the time that I started like planning it out, I wasn't, my skill level wasn't like matching what I was picturing in my mind. And so I was like, I'm going to put the drawing aside and I'm going to figure out the story first. So then I'll know what I need to draw. Yeah. Um, and I know, I think a lot of people who do web comics, especially tend to write and draw at the same time. But for me, it, it just felt easier to plan it out first and then draw it. For sure. Okay, this is going to end up being way more than 11 questions because I keep thinking of side ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so is it weird for you at all to like, you're publishing your comic on a website, right? So people are reading it regularly, but you said you're still working on like volume two. So is it weird for you that you're, you already have like established canon that's published out in the world while you're still like figuring out the end of this story? Mm. I feel like it would freak me. I mean, just cause I'm a planner person, I would be like, oh my gosh, what if something I write here contradicts with something I wrote over here, but it's already like published and out there. <laughs> How do you reconcile with that? I mean, I check back a lot at the stuff that I've published. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of that stuff that's out right now is like just really early foundational details and I haven't gotten like super into the meat of the story yet Mm -hmm. so it's I haven't run into it too much it wouldn't surprise me if I accidentally contradict here and there yeah uh, just because it's hard to remember lots of little details but yeah I try I try to keep notes too of Mm -hmm. like big important events that I'm going to mention multiple times throughout the story like there's some stuff that happens in like a flashback that's important and like has like a ripple effect throughout their lives like as we're following them Mm -hmm. um and those are things that I was like I'm gonna forget this detail so I'm gonna write it down somewhere else and then I can just like check back at that list and be like okay this is this is what I said originally so I'm not you know claiming one thing at one point and then saying something totally different (laughs) at another point for sure for sure no I think that's that's really cool obviously people do it all the time with book series and stuff I just feel like oh my gosh I have to have the entire series planned before I release any of it to the world which is why I'll probably (laughs) never do anything like that (laughs) um but I think doing it like that allows your story to like grow and change as you as you go Um, I think that's really cool. So, okay. Moving on to another unique form of storytelling that I know that you have and that we both share now. How did you get into D&D and how does that play a role in your storytelling? Yes. Okay. So that's a little bit newer. And I mean, if you told me when I was younger that I was going to play this game and love it, I would have been like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) It is a game for weirdos and I'm not going to do it. But now I am a weirdo too. (laughs) Yep. Proud of it. I honestly saw it a lot in TV shows that I really liked. Like Stranger Things, Mm -hmm. I think was the first one that like really hooked me. Um, And I was like, I love these kids. And like, this story is super cool. And they're playing this game and it looks kind of fun. Like 
maybe. And then there were a couple other shows. I think Community has a couple D&D episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, iZombie has a couple. And I love iZombie. And then I think there was maybe another one. I don't Big totally... Bang Theory. Don't know if you watched that. Okay. I haven't seen that one, but that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was basically just all these like fictional characters that I love playing this game and making it look really fun. And so then I was like, I kind of want to try this. And I remember tweeting about it one time in like 2017 or something. It was just like, sometimes I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. There, I said it. <laughs> and that was like the first time I like publicly announced and I mean like nobody cared (laughs) yeah yeah okay do what you want like you're an adult whatever but for me it felt like a big like freeing moment to be like okay internet I'm declaring that I want to do this (laughs) I am a nerd and I'm proud yes (laughs) and then it wasn't until like probably a whole year later that I actually played for the first time and it was very out of the blue like I used to work at a summer camp and some of my friends from the summer camp were getting together to play and they needed more people. And so one of them just kind of texted me at random and was like, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, actually, yes, like so much. <laughs> and they, they like, I don't think expected me to say yes, but they were like, great, like join us. Um, and so that was how I first, very first got started. And and then it got kind of delayed by the pandemic, sure. um, <laughs> you know, and everything there. And I watched a lot of Critical Role on YouTube, which kind of helped sort of like fill that void until I was able to find some more groups to play with. Um, and now I'm in entirely too many d groups, <laughs> but it's great and I love it. And I think you asked how it affects my storytelling, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I th- think it, I'm not sure if it's had like a huge effect yet. I am starting to take notes like I'm gonna dm for some people Ooh, um, that'll be fun is that gonna be your first time yeah, it will be yeah Goodness. <laughs> and I've been watching this one youtube series it's really great this guy's name is Matt Colville and he has this entire series about how to run a game um and it's like he he's like really like demystifies it and makes it like sound like something that anybody can do which it totally is yeah um, yeah and he's talked a couple times about like, you know, like remembering like your character motivation, like your NPCs should want things that seem realistic. You know, your villains should want to win. They shouldn't just exist to like make drama for your players. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of just a, like a reinforcement of like other writing tips that I've seen, you know, that are, it's, it's good to be reminded of that because I, I think it's really easy to make very flat characters oh, when it's sure. your main character but if you want your world to like feel real and believable then you have to make your people act realistically <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so if you're so these games that you play do you have a recurring character and if so like how much background do you know about this character before you go into a game like do you have their entire motivations and origin story and everything or do you just kind of create a character on the fly and jump in and see what happens yeah it depends on the how long I'm gonna be playing the character I have one character that I play in two different games kind of like longer term and so I have her backstory 
like way more fleshed out. I know what you and I did a one shot. Yes. I had no backstory for that character at all. And I just made up her personality as we went. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of depends on how, how much I know I'm going to like how much time I know I'm going to be spending with the character. But like, yeah, my, my main character, I did one time, like sit down and like write out, like, here's her like basic story and like the reasons why it like impacts who she is. And, but, but even then, like there's stuff that I kind of, decided along the way like while we were playing yeah so I guess kind of both (laughs) yeah that's really cool yeah I'm totally not good at just making stuff up on the fly I like I said I have to have a plan so that one shot we did I was like I have no idea what I'm doing this is my first time playing D&D and I'm just supposed to make stuff up as we go oh my gosh this is terrifying but afterwards I was like okay I need to write like the entire backstory of this character. I need to know this character inside now. And this is my character I'm going to be playing. (laughs) It was so fun though. So fun. And I think you did a really great job of like making stuff up on the fly. I think you had the funniest response (laughs) of that entire game. Oh, you were like, (laughs) we're dating. (laughs) I died. That was so funny. And then like, we just kept playing off of it for the next little bit and it was it was great so I need to get better about that I just have a bad habit of shipping my characters with everybody else (laughs) and I was like how can I do that in this one shot it It was so funny if y'all want to watch it it is on YouTube I will link it in the description okay next question as a writer why do you think it's important we flex other creative muscles like art or D&D Oh, I think it's really important for those times that you hit like a writing block, which will happen. (laughs) Yes. And I think like, it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to say, I don't, hmm. I'm just going to stutter through this answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) Totally fine. Totally fine. I think it's good for, for when you have like a writing block, then you can still kind of like work out that muscle in another way. And it might actually inspire you so that you can like break through the writing block. I know I've had times where like, I will, I'll just completely run out of story ideas and I'll be like, I've got nothing left. I've written all the stories that were in me and now I'm empty and I guess I'm done with this, Yeah, <laughs> um, you know? And so then you take a break and then go and do some other things, even just like non-creative activities, like just living your daily life. I know one time I was like folding laundry And it was when I was in the middle of this, you know, I've got nothing left in me, period. And I'm folding laundry and I had suddenly an idea. And I was like, wait, this could be really fun. And I could do this with it and I could do that. And it like turned into this whole story, like right there. So I think it's, I think it's definitely good to take breaks or to try different things so that it like gives your brain a chance to like rest that one part. And then once you're like, not feeling so drained you can get back into it yeah for sure so do you have a habit of writing every single day or do you give yourself more grace to like when when you're feeling it (laughs) I I'm definitely more like a when you're feeling it kind of person yeah um I've done some like NaNoWriMo challenges Mm -hmm. and I think we like in our writing group the very first month I think we challenged ourselves to write every day that's the only month we've done it (laughs) yeah (laughs) because we all realized like this is really hard (laughs) (laughs) 
I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of encourage that approach. And I think it's, I think it's good for short bursts, right? Like I think the, the NaNoWriMo thing where it's only 30 days or like I'm doing camp nano, but I've already missed a couple of days, <laughs> you know, like when it's, when it's like that, I think it's okay, but I can't imagine writing every day for like an extended period of time, mm-hmm. unless it was like, you just have to write something. It doesn't have to be like a certain amount of words. Yeah. Just cause I feel like you're, you're risking burnout at that point. And I feel like that's going to maybe do more harm than good in that case. For sure. For sure. All I heard during like grad school was write every day, write every day, do whatever you can to write every day. I don't care if you have to wake up at four in the morning and write every day. And it was the worst. And then I come out of grad school and meet all of these other like fun creatives on the internet. And they're like, eh, you know, write when you can, like, it doesn't have to, especially if it's not your day job, it does not have to be your day job and you still want to like it. And so, yeah, don't only wait for motivation to strike. Like sometimes you have to push yourself, but don't push yourself to the point of breakdown basically. <laughs> yeah. And then it becomes a thing that you're like, you kind of hate it and you're like, yeah. I don't want it more. And because so then you, you like miss what was great about it to begin with. For sure. Okay. So how has your faith affected the way you look at your story and vice versa? How has your creative story affected your faith? Uh, this is a good question that I probably should think about more. <laughs> I think it it de- it definitely affects the kinds of stories I want to tell. I dabbled in specifically Christian stories back in like high school. I read a lot of Christian fiction. I think there's a lot of really good stuff out there. But for me it always felt a little bit disingenuous. Like I think there's kind of this idea that you have to have like the big come to Jesus moment where the person who's not saved gets saved and it's like clean and tidy in the end. And, and sometimes people's stories work out that way, but usually faith stories last for like years, mm-hmm. you know? And so unless you're going to like approach it, like the one piece author who's just writing hundreds and hundreds of like, that's a manga. If you don't know, <laughs> um, that's like one of the longest stories, Oh my gosh! you know, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, where the story spans like decades, then okay, you know, you might be able to spin a believable tale, but I feel like I've seen a lot of them that kind of, they they just don't feel realistic, um, if that makes sense. And so I, I kind of take more of a Tolkien approach, I guess, where I'm like a little subtler with, with it, because that for me, it feels more genuine. And I think there, there is like a need for people who are Christians who are creatives to just make good things and it doesn't necessarily have to scream you know I'm a Christian Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it it like gives people who have the same faith as you like a something else to watch you know that makes sense I'm a I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to the the media I consume Mm. and I feel like sometimes Christian things just don't quite hit the mark for me Mm-hmm. One thing they told me in college was because I went I went to a Christian college. They they were constantly saying like you need to like strive for a standard of excellence. Like you need to be the top of whatever field you're in because like you should be you should be the one setting the bar. And I thought that was like a really interesting way to think about things. 
and it, yeah, and it did make me realize that there, there is a lot of Christian stuff that kind of feels half-baked. And so I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to make things that are the best that I can make them. So, I mean, I don't know if I totally answered your question. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I completely agree. Like, I don't think anyone, okay, maybe this is, this is a bold statement, but I don't think many people would say like their favorite movie of all time is facing the giants you know or like one of those like super christian like that are just feel good christian movies because they're not like spectacular you know they're just mm-hmm. like trying to make a point here and it was yeah. C. lewis who said we don't need more people writing christian books we need more christians writing good books yeah like, jesus wasn't building tables and like writing John three sixteen on him. He was just building good tables, you know, to serve the people. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what we're called to do as well. Definitely. There was a point in time where facing the giants was my favorite. Movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like that was kind of a bad example. Cause it is a good movie. I'm trying to think of like a cheesy Christian. No, I mean, like looking back on it now, I would not say that. Yeah. Like, it was like when I was like 15, I was like, this is the best movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, Ooh, ooh I know one. I know one. God's not dead. Oh yeah. Those movies okay. <laughs> are so oh my gosh. And they're still making them. I'm like, stop. You want to talk about the like disingenuous conversion story? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any practical tips, habits, or routines? To help you write or live a good story? I mean, I don't know how practical it is, but something I find myself doing a lot is just kind of like daydreaming. I think because I'm not a like an outliner, I often hit a point where I'm like, okay, I've written everything I've planned and now I need to think up more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I let myself kind of like sit in the story and like, push it around and see where it goes it's not really a tip (laughs) I think maybe reading a lot of different types of writing Mm. and reading stories that are different from your own life I would say is a, a tip I might give I feel like books are the closest we can get to walking in someone else's shoes and uh, some of my favorite stories have characters that I would never hang out with in real life but because you're like sitting in their head and seeing the world the way they see it, you like understand where they're coming from. And I don't know, I feel like it creates a lot of like empathy and gives you the chance to explore the world a little differently than you normally would. And I feel like that, like that can help you live a better story. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, for sure. And I think it also helps you write better stories because you see, you know, other approaches and you can kind of take little pieces of what other authors have done and maybe like make it your own. Yeah, for sure. Do you keep a notebook or a notes app where you like write down things that you've daydreamed or thought about throughout the day? Mm, Sometimes, sometimes I'll type it on my phone. A lot of times I just kind of daydream the same thing over and over until I write it down (laughs) or I'll kind of like, change it a little bit every time and then and then even when I write it down I usually change it as I'm writing it so <laughs> so it doesn't help much in the long run no <laughs> very cool very cool 
Okay. Who else has a story that has impacted you who you might like to hear share their story on this podcast? Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I knew you were going to ask this question, but I did not think about it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd kind of love to hear the rest of our writing group. Oh yeah. I'm planning on having them all. <laughs> yeah. Like they all have really, really cool approaches to things. And I was like you said earlier, like we all write in different ways. And so I love hearing about, you know, the, the areas of writing that I'm not good at people who are good at those, like what they do and how they do it. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What books, movies, and shows have inspired you personally, creatively, and spiritually? List them all. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, facing the giants. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Um, I think within the last few years, I've had a really hard time reading, actually. The pandemic just really threw me off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I got really into anime <laughs> because it was not a form of storytelling that I was like super in before the pandemic. And so it was like, here's something new that I can focus on and like escape in yeah. and ignore the world crumbling around me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I love My Hero Academia. And that actually, when I very first started watching it, I was like, this is my comic. <laughs> somebody in Japan wrote the same story as me oh and is goodness. already like more successful with it but it's it's actually very different mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it starts out with the same premise of like here's a bunch of teenagers with superpowers here's one kid that doesn't have any you know and he feels like a doofus and so like we're gonna follow him but yeah I, I love that one and I mean books wise I think a lot of the I read I read a lot of fiction right I write a lot of fiction so I read it Books that have impacted my faith, a lot of Ted Decker's writing mm. has been really, I guess, formative. Um, it, I, I love his approach to storytelling and how, like, he, he always has this kind of just really neat way of depicting the, like, God characters. And it's, it's always kind of shrouded in this layer of, like, mystery and... I feel like his view of God is like really big and that's something I some like I I sometimes struggle with letting God be as big as he is you know and I try to like comprehend him and so I put him in this neat little box and I'm like okay well this is what you can do and then all these other things maybe you can but you probably won't right but I feel like that's that's not how God works. (laughs) Have you read the circle series? You know I I think I started that one. I don't think I ever finished it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I read, I read it in during the pandemic and it's awesome. Like I I can't wrap my head around how he did what he did. (laughs) Like that (laughs) level of writing is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. It's really good. I really like his eyes wide open series. Oh, I don't think I read that one. It's, it came out when I was in college and I think the, the reason I got into it, he released like the first chapter or something for free. And so I read it and then I was like, well, now I just have to buy the book. And yeah, like, oh, here's three more. Gotta buy those too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> and then I mean other books, there are just other books I like. Stuart Turton is a British author who's pretty new. And um, he only has two books out right now, but I love both of them. And they're really cool. And I think he's already working on a third one. 
I tweeted at him the other day and he's not, he's like still kind of a smaller. So like, he'll respond back. Um, oh I God. said something about like, write a whole shelf of books. And he was like, that would take me 300 years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. All right. Is there anything you want to add or reiterate from this conversation? Okay. Yeah. Something I want to add as an artist, I've heard a lot of interesting things from people. They'll, they'll say things like, I can't even draw a straight line. I just want to tell you all of you people who say that this is what rulers are for, because I also cannot draw straight lines. (laughs) And I've heard people say things like, you know, I can only draw stick figures or I could never do this. I am a firm believer in the idea that anyone can be an artist. It's not something that you're born with. It's just a skill that you hone the same way you would anything else. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you are interested in art, but you're too scared to try it because you think you can't do it, you totally can. Oftentimes your taste will develop faster than your skill level. And so you'll see these really cool things and you'll know like this is really good art and you'll look at your stuff and be like, well, this isn't quite matching up, but you just have to keep pushing and going and you, you would work that muscle the same way you would any other muscle. So you can be an artist. Anyone can be an artist. You should do it if you want to. (laughs) Okay. Well, two major questions that came out of that one, can you draw hands and can you draw eyes? I mean, I can. (laughs) Do they always look like those things? No. Do they match the other one? (laughs) Um, I, those are actually, okay, well, not hands. I love drawing eyes. I've always thought eyes were really fun to draw. Mm -hmm. Hands are a bear, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Um, I've drawn some really good ones. You know, if I'm like looking at my own hand, I can do okay. And I've drawn some hands that are really crazy looking. Even my comics, like if you look at some of the hands in there, they're kind of like, oh, she didn't, she didn't spend a lot of time on that panel. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they're, those are, those are tricky. It's okay to not be good at those for a while. They're, they're hard to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. One more unofficial question before we get to the final question. You live in Pennsylvania. Have you been to Scranton? Tell us all about it. Oh, <laughs> I have not been to Scranton. You haven't? No. Why? There's so many great things to do there. Honestly, I feel like The Office did a really good job showing how boring Pennsylvania is. <laughs> we are just a normal place like anywhere else. Actually, we're kind of weird because um, like we're in the north, but we're not like we're not at the same time. I, I went to college in Virginia, right? So I learned that like Virginia is the South, but it's like the North of the South. And I feel like Pennsylvania is the South of the North. Gotcha, if, gotcha. Which is a very like complicated explanation. And if yeah. people are unfamiliar with the like cultural differences on the East Coast, then this may not make sense. But Pennsylvania is very agricultural in a lot of places. It's very historical. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are kind of their own thing. And I guess Harrisburg too. I don't know. But Scranton's just another town, you know? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Separate question. Have you found any clues that lead you to a national treasure? I haven't looked. (laughs) (laughs) um, 
only within the last few years have I appreciated like the history just as a subject. <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. growing up, I always thought history was really boring. <laughs> it was my worst subject for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I have never been up there and I want to so bad. So if I ever come that way, you're just going to have to tell me all the cool places. Okay. I can take you to Boscov's. There's a Boscov's magnet in the background of some of the office scenes. Yeah, I feel like they've mentioned it too. It's, yeah. It's just a department store chain. But I got really excited when I saw it on the show. Oh my gosh. I was like, I've been to Boscov's. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, last question. Where can we find you and your work? I'm on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow my regular Twitter feed for goofy tweets about D&D and sometimes I talk about Jesus and most of the time I'm just like I don't know just saying whatever comes in my head (laughs) Twitter's for Uh, yeah that's uh at Andrea underscore is underscore me I thought it would be ironic because I like grammar to make a grammatically incorrect Twitter handle. And this was like 12 years ago and I've just stuck with it. Nice, nice. <laughs> and then you can follow my comic Twitter, which is at Andy Lou comics. Um, it's Andy with an I E that I mostly just post about uh, my comic <laughs> and sometimes random art things. And then on Instagram, I have an art Instagram that you can follow at, Andrea underscore Louise underscore art. And then I have personal Instagram, but I keep that one private. So for sure, for sure, for sure. Just the art one. <laughs> Got it. I will link all of those at the bottom if you want to check those out. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This might sound weird, but I've had this like long standing dream of being on a podcast. Is so this you your first podcast? Yes, you have made my dreams come true today, oh, Kila. Yay! <laughs> that is awesome. I'm so glad. Well, we'll have to have you on again. I think we're going to have like a full D&D podcast at some point. So you and Shanine oh. will have to come back for that. We'll, we'll figure it out. So, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for joining me for 11Zs. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, tune in each Thursday, and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at KDSubcreations and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.